Good Saturday evening to you. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, representing Transitions Life Care. Cooper Linton alongside me. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me on this evening. Absolutely. It's always good to have you, Cooper. And we've got Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights. Good evening, Nicole. Glad to be here. Oh, coffee in hand as well. You're ready to go. Oh, yeah. I need that after this week for sure. I am Jason Kong. And the reason she needs that cup of coffee so bad is that we just had our first round of the Caregiver Summit in Raleigh this week. And man, what a turnout. Yeah, wow. And that was your first one, Jason. You were there. What did you think when you walked in that door? My first thought was, uh, I can't believe believe it took me that long to find a parking spot because this place was just jam-packed. Uh, Chris Hooks, the uh, salesman with WPTF, was with me and we drove around probably two or three times uh, really? at the McKinnon Center trying to find a parking spot. Wow. So at that point I knew, okay, this is... This was a success. This was a success. This is the real deal. And man, it's... Uh, it's such a great opportunity because it, just walking into the first part, the registration mm-hmm. area, like I could have spent all day in there. And then I, uh, Cooper was walking me around. And he's like, oh, there's there's a lot more to it. Wait, than this. there's more. Yeah. And then there were classes and uh, just you could just see the look on the people there mm-hmm. who uh, who were there to attend that. Um, you know, they, there was like some excitement as they were going from booth to booth. It was really neat to see. There was, a, we had about 550 total registrants for that event. So it was pretty amazing. But I know, you know, I was busy doing some other things, but you and Cooper had an opportunity to talk to some caregivers. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really great. We actually got a chance to interview several different caregivers and interview some of the people who were vendors there because they see the value in connecting with caregivers. Um, one lady in particular, is the essentially the organizer of older adult care at her church. And she had pulled together nine people out of her church, out of a church of about 250 people. They were all dressed alike. They kind of made a theme out of it. They were having a good time. So they walked in. It was clear, you know, caregiving is actually cool in a way. They, it, it can be heavy. There's parts of this that can be a drag. But there's a strong community of people who are caregivers, both within that church and in that larger uh, summit yesterday for these folks to come together to share experiences, to share ideas. They were invigorated by it. Absolutely. And they, several of them went into the health clinic, which was busier than we thought we were going to even be able to handle. We were able to put more people through that clinic than we ever anticipated. And people got lab results done and they got depression screenings. We're going to talk about that depression screening information here in a few minutes yeah the uh the screenings there that was the part that really blew me away because i i didn't realize how sort of extensive that was there were so many different people there helping out you know i i put off just making an eye doctor appointment uh-huh. because you know i know oh, i gotta drive out to there sort of i gotta pain. fill out some paperwork uh, who knows how long i'm gonna be sitting in the office but you had you know, this was so a one-stop shop. One-stop shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person that we talked to said she was in in and out in ten minutes. I mean, that's that's yeah. unbelievable. Well, you know, and the health screenings were something new this year, but mm-hmm. we would not have been able to do that without the support of our community. It was an army, truly an army of volunteer healthcare workers. So we had certified nursing assistants and RNs. We had agencies that we called upon and said, "Hey, we need your help because we want to help take care of caregivers who don't usually take care of themselves." And so it was absolutely phenomenal. And I have to say, the healthcare workers came up to me afterwards and said, "We please, please, we know that this was a really big thing to coordinate, but you." need to do this again. These families were so appreciative. Some people specifically came 
with the idea that they wanted certain lab results and they needed to have those mm -hmm. done that day. So it was it was awesome and it was a, definitely a validation that the extra effort was was something that was a benefit to our community. Yeah, absolutely. I think it also plays into that critical mm -hmm. component that caregivers have to take care of themselves. And so one of those caregivers that we interviewed walked in and said, I came here specifically knowing that I need to be mindful of diabetes and I've got to be able to manage my diabetes. And she came in wanting to be sure that her lab results with respect to diabetes were within normal limits. And she came, she was prepared for this, knowing that she had to take care of herself so that she could take care of her own loved one and then support people within her own personal community who are also caregivers. It was incredible to see the organization and the outreach uh, and just the sense of unity among such a diverse group of people who have one major thing in common. They are focused on taking care of somebody else. Yeah, and the other thing that you could kind of tell is, uh, you know, people like her who came in there with an agenda and were, were ready to go and were, were sort of getting ahead of the game. Um, you know, that that was good to see because there was uh, there was a spirit about her that, you know, she was she felt empowered, it, it felt like. Well, and other people walked in the door having just taken the very courageous step to come for the first time. Yeah. And they walked in and they went from being someone who felt alone in this journey to realizing not only are they part of a much larger group of folks on a similar path, but there's an incredible array of resources in this community. They didn't know they were available. One of the comments that we got from a caregiver who took a lot of time to chat with us, you know, we do um, evaluations at the end of every summit, and obviously this, this summit was just this week, and we haven't had a chance to compile them yet, but one person came up to us and specifically said, you know, it was great. I got to see the resources. That was wonderful. He said, but what he really loved was the opportunity to get to know other caregivers, and he actually had kind of a neat idea, which we could consider for the future, is, you know, he said, you know, I would have loved if the sessions could have been either shortened by 10 minutes or lengthened by 10 minutes. And at the end of every session, the caregivers that were in the room had a chance to all have an opportunity to talk to each other about what that session meant to them and how they might be able to use it in their lives. And, and it was really an interesting, he said, because for him, it was great to hear the information, but then he wanted to hear how people in the room might apply it. And he said that would have been even more beneficial to him. So that's one of the wonderful things about running these summits. And next year, we're going to be doing our 10th anniversary, is that you know folks come with us and they tell us what they want. And that's really how we mold what we do the following year. And so that's something we're going to take back and really consider. Yeah, that's that sounds like a great idea, and you know, it's it's still uh, registration is open for Chapel Hill, and if you know you're in that area, please, please, please register now because uh, you've got got a few weeks. But man, as as I saw this week, uh, those things fill up pretty quick. Well, the fact that we're even discussing next year's tenth anniversary of this is absolutely amazing. Absolutely, you know, very few regions of the country have anything like this, and for the for us to be. In our 10th year of this is just incredible. Um, and all of this really started because of a volunteer. You know, and Nicole talked about how the volunteers were just an army of, of people giving time to make this work. The original concept came from a volunteer in our community, and I'll call him out. Uh, David White approached me about 10 and a half years ago and said, why doesn't this exist in our community? And the response was, well, nobody's done it before. And he goes, well, why can't you fix that? And then it took a group of nonprofits coming together to fix it because nobody can do it by themselves. Right. And I think that's part of the message for our caregivers. 
is they don't have to do it all by themselves either. And coming to that conference shows them other people and other resources and other avenues that they can get care for their loved one, but also care for themselves. Yeah, it's a, it was a powerful experience. And if you think that any of what we've discussed so far can benefit you, really encourage you to go to caregiversummit.org to find more information about the rest of the uh, the summits that are happening this year. Well, we need to, uh, to get into the meat and potatoes of the show today. And that is uh, a discussion on older adults and mental health. And Cooper, we've brought in a, a familiar face, and that's uh, Missy Stansel. She's the regional director of the Central Region of CareNet. Uh, Missy, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me back. Missy, I'd just like to go on the record that it was not I who called you meat and potatoes. <laughs> thank you, Cooper. I appreciate that. Sorry. Just felt like I had to get that out there for our listeners. I meant the topic was the meat and potatoes. Missy, the important topic. Thank you, you are the ice Sugar cream sundae. Sugar and spice. Exactly. And everything nice. <laughs> I would never call you meat and potatoes, Missy. But thank you so much for uh, for coming on the program because this is, uh, this is an important topic, and I know we've discussed it before, but uh, I don't think we can really overstate just how big of a deal it is. Absolutely. I, I think it's important that um, the mental health in general of populations can become a dinner table conversation, but particularly for older adults. There is this really unfortunate myth that decreasing mental health or depression is somehow part of aging, and that is not true. Um, that is not true. Overall, people um, in older populations have good mental health. Um, they've, they have slightly lower rates of depression than the general population, except for when um, there's chronic health conditions or overwhelming psychological stressors. So you see right from the beginning, those two things um, are part of a lot of our caregivers' lives. So we're concerned. We're concerned about um, depression um, and mental health in general for some of our caregivers. We want to be able to support them. So I'm glad we're getting to talk about it today. So, Missy, why is it this is so often missed? Why are these issues of mental health in our older population overlooked or glossed over or just assumed, to your earlier point, it's, it's the normal part of aging. This is what we can expect. There's nothing we can do about it, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Three main things, um, and, the, and the first we've already touched on. One, this myth that somehow depression is part of, of aging. That is not true. Um, that's related to ageism, right? There, there's lots of assumptions we make about older people that are not true. Um, so ageism is in there. Um, the second thing would be um, complications re- related to medication. I mean, one of the most important things we can encourage people to do is really understand their medications, talk to their pharmacist. If they're starting to experience some ki- type of side effect, we don't want to miss what might be a mental health issue. Uh, so we want to get people to their pharmacist to ask any questions that they're having. If there's a change in mood, change in sleep, change in behavior, get to your pharmacist um, so we can figure out, hey, is this a mental health concern? Is this a side effect of a med- medication? And then the third thing is individuals who maybe don't feel comfortable reporting and being honest about how they're feeling. That would be the third reason why it might be missed. Um, we know that for individuals who die by suicide um, in the older population, most of them see their primary care physician the month in which they die. Wow. And um, that number goes to almost 40% for the week of. 20% of older, um, older Americans who die by suicide see their doctor the day 
That's um, that's a, an alarming stat. It is an alarming stat. And the reason I share it is because we want to empower people to be honest about how they're feeling with their emotional health. We want people to be able to say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Um, and we want the primary care physicians in their in their life, the primary care providers, to be able to have that conversation. It's it's There's still stigma surrounding it. And if there's anything that people um, can take away from what I'm hoping to share today is that let's make mental health a dinner table conversation. This is how I'm feeling. This yeah, is what I need. Let's talk about it. And we'll continue to do that here in just a bit. In just a bit. We're talking with Missy Stancil. She's the regional director of the Central Region of CareNet. And you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. And we'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. Good Saturday evening to you. I'm Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights, Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care alongside me. And our guest this evening is Missy Stancil. She's the regional director of the central region of CareNet. And we're having a discussion on older adults and mental health, Cooper. And uh, Missy just hit us with this uh pretty disturbing fact about uh, older adults who've committed suicide, uh, you know, very recently visited their primary care physician. You know, one of the things I love most about doing this show is I get educated every time we come into this studio. Um, and Missy, you were throwing some statistics by us in the first segment that I think would be worth repeating in the second. And, and it had to do with very significant mental health consequences up to and including suicide that were actually much close was actually these folks that had interactions with their physicians pretty recently and yet something was missed yes and i think there is opportunity um within that whole continuum of care so in no way am i um criticizing mm-hmm. the the pcp providers it's not that i'm not criticizing the you know the um the individuals as well in general we don't talk about mental health well right so um so for all people when they go to their um, pcps they tend to report physical symptoms they don't report emotional or behavioral symptoms and sometimes for the older adult population they're not even reporting the physical symptoms it's an event you go like you're dressed for church I mean, this is just the reality, and this is some of yes. the things that I hear from primary yes. care physicians that it's mm-hmm. very difficult. It's you, you put all your energy into making yourself look as great and act as best you can in front of that doctor, and for lots of reasons, and one of the reasons being you don't want the doctor to think there's something wrong with you. You don't want to lose your independence. You don't want yes. to continue to keep losing control. That's kind of why I really like it when physicians are working with home health agencies, or we even have this new phenomenon, which used to be an old phenomenon, but the doctors who make house calls, because yes. They see the patients in their home as the home really is. And I think they're probably a little bit more tooled to pick up on some of these things than perhaps, you know, just going into an office and making it an event for the day. Yes. And how we present um, in the world is different for all of us than how we are in our 
pajamas eating cereal at our at our breakfast table. Well, sure, so, we're, we're taught um, early on: don't air your dirty laundry. Absolutely, and and so and so, what does it look like for for mental health to be as valuable as, as physical health, and for our seniors um, as well as for our caregivers, many of who are also senior adults. Um, there are a lot of risk factors for depression present in in the nature of what caregiving is, such as overwhelming psychological stressors, reduced sleep, um, aspects of, um, of of caregiving are physically dra- are incredibly physically draining. Um, so so we're concerned. We, we we want for them to be able to have the opportunity to say, yeah, there's there's this sadness. We all experience sadness. That's different than depression. So depression we're talking about, it might be sadness that lasts for weeks or months at a time. It might be irritability that lasts for weeks or months at a time. Um, so it's, it's, easy, it's easy to miss, is, well, is my point. When we talk about those risk factors, we talk about reduced sleep. And mm-hmm. in reality, often being a caregiver is similar to having a newborn baby in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, it really is. Uh, and your your sleep's interrupted so even if you get x number of hours in a night you don't get uninterrupted deep rest and mm-hmm. it breaks up your your body needs that i mean every we've got study after study after study that shows that and people have to have that rest they're up at night they have interrupted sleep patterns uh, we know from the websites at transitions guiding lights and transitions life care that caregivers are emailing us and seeking for out information in the middle of the night, one, two, three o'clock yes. in the morning. That means they're awake and something woke them up. And very often it's their role as a caregiver and it's, it takes its toll. You know, caregivers are known as healthcare's invisible army, basically. I mean, a lot of times they're just going about it and they feel like it's something that they have to do, but they're not holding up the flag to say, here I am, I'm a caregiver. And they feel very isolated. So we all know that they're at increased risk for health disorders. In the country, this stat is now 44 million Americans are family caregivers. Wow. That is a huge number. And the things that they talk about related to caregivers is not just the physical strain, but it's the emotional strain. So mm-hmm. to be a quality caregiver, you have to show extreme empathy. You have to show a tremendous amount of patience, and you have to be extremely reliable. So that means you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders, and that is extremely exhausting and can be very overwhelming. And the statistics I've seen, and, and maybe you can uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong, is that somewhere between 20 to 50 percent of uh, family caregivers can be diagnosed as clinically depressed because of the weight of this caregiving, sometimes known as burden or gift, depending on the day, right? Because some yes. days it's great and some days it's yes. not. And they have huge amounts of frustration and stress. And so it's just a, a melting pot, as you were saying, off air of sort of spaghetti that's all sticking together. And how do we tease it apart? And how do we support that caregiver and then that individual? It is. And, and I think, um, you know, Concerns regarding rates of mental illness, even um, in my profession as a mental health professional, you know, because of the work we do, there's empathy fatigue, there's burnout, (laughs) there's compassion fatigue. um, And so you you think kind of about what a mental health professional does is kind of is similar to a caregiver, but you think of it more as width. So we do a little bit of it with a ton of people. Mm -hmm. A caregiver 
is doing it with one or two people incredibly deep. I mean, impossibly deep. And that is very taxing. Um, Two aspects of that that we were talking about in terms of our concerns for rates of depression. One is that empathy fatigue. I mean, it it, it is difficult... um, I was an assistant caregiver with my mom when my mom was the primary caregiver for my dad um, um, d- during his end of life care related to complications of dementia and Parkinson's. And there's no way to understand it unless you're doing it. And um, and so it's ha- there's not words to describe it. I think it's part of, of what we struggle with. It's hard. And we hesitate to say we, we hesitate to say right that there's some type of guilt associated with it. Unfortunately, which really being honest about how you're feeling is really right. good. And that's it. That, yeah. And people are afraid to because mm-hmm. they don't want to be judged. And if people aren't in the trenches with them, then mm-hmm. they feel like they can't vent it to other people. And, mm-hmm. and then you have the superhero caregiver, which I yes. was. I can yes. do it all. I can handle it. But then when you realize this is going to go on and on mm-hmm. and on in some cases, you don't have those physical, emotional reserves. And then by the time you turn around and need help, everyone that's been asking you to help you has stopped asking. So then you feel weird about asking for help. I think part of it is also that they're, they may not worry about being judged. It may be just that they feel like that they're not living up to living out the love that they have for this person. Mm -hmm. They're, they're not being as loyal to this person. They're afraid of failing someone. And they, you know, I should be better. I should be able to do it. And Mm -hmm. and they have some unrealistic self expectations Mm. that no one else would ever have of them. Mm-hmm. So they're basically self-convicting. Yeah, I, so, unintentionally. Unintentionally, I think that they are struggling with being self-convicting because it's they want to do the right thing. They're striving to do the right thing, not realizing it's almost physically impossible. Yeah, it's it's hard when you're in that mindset. You compared it, Nicole, to uh, having a newborn child. You're, you're just going really minute to minute, and you're right. not really looking at the big picture. No, and, and then you when you look at yourself in, in the mirror at the end of it, you're like, what in the world? Yeah. I don't even recognize myself. Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to continue our conversation with Missy Stansel. She's the regional director of the Central Region of CareNet, and we'll continue our conversation on mental health and older adults and caregivers in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, who you can find online at transitionslifecare.org. Stick around. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong, Cooper Linton, Nicole Bruno, and our special guest this evening, Missy Stansel. She's the regional director of the Central Region of CareNet. And Cooper and Nicole, one of these days uh, with the outlandish conversations that we have during our breaks well, one of our guests is just going to walk up and leave the studio. They're just going to be like, okay, I, I can't handle you guys. I'm, I'm done. I actually expected it would happen long before now. Yeah. I'm surprised that Missy is still here, but we're, we appreciate you riding through it. I don't think he understands how to reel us in yet. Oh, he has no idea, but this is what keeps us alive and going. Most people don't know what to do with this. <laughs> it's Saturday night. We're trying to keep this rolling. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Yeah, luckily the clock uh, keeps us keeps us on track. But yeah, you two are just, you're uh, you're something else, but in a good way. <laughs> In a good way. And that's that's what makes this show so special. So we got Missy Stancil in here and we're talking about mental health and we've we've talked about some 
pretty significant issues and problems. And uh, I, I guess right now the logical thing to do would be to talk about some solutions and some things that we can do to kind of avoid these uh, these pretty sad and dangerous statistics that I, Missy has mentioned. I agree, you know, and, and, you know, and I would love for Missy to help us flush that out because I don't like to just identify a problem on the show. It's, it's really hard to leave people with, oh, but I have this now, what? And then you walk away. No, that's not what we want to do here. So I know that there's four main areas basically in my work that we identify and I'll see if Missy agrees for folks to really focus on to care for themselves. So you need to care for yourself. You need to ask for help. Use respite services. And we'll talk a little bit about what that is and truly find emotional support. So where do you want to start, Missy? Oh, excellent. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Um, Another huge myth about mental health is that recovery is not possible. That is You not. have to have medicine always, right? So no. <laughs> recovery is possible for mental health issues. That's different for every person and circumstance, as well as prevention. Like in the same way that we have, um, we eat vegetables and go for a walk to try to prevent diabetes. There are aspects we can do for our life to help prevent um, aspects of mental health, uh, mental illness. So yeah. So care for yourself. Uh, uh, yes. Speaking care for of yourself. Walks. Exactly. <laughs> Number one, caring for yourself. Um, human connection is a prerequisite for mental health. And so one way that caregivers can care for themselves is to maintain meaningful relationships outside of the caregiving how? Yes. Yeah, so Cuz that's really easy to say, but I've done it twice and I'm not saying I did a great job for mm-hmm. with human connection during those times. Mm-hmm. It was more I did caregiving and then I regained my human connection. How do you do that? Time-wise, it is almost impossible. And I think there will be periods where it is impossible. Um there are periods where it was impossible for me. So, um what does it look like to have a few people in your life who understand enough to um, send you a text, to send you a card, um, talk just, about something else, talk about <laughs> right, yeah, talk about something else? Like, what would it be like to just a point of connection, one point of connection in a day that is a sea of a lot of task and caring? Um, can really transform a day. So so I agree with you in terms of can I leave the house for lunch? That is just not an option for most mm-hmm. of our caregivers. Um, but can a friend commit to um, calling me once a day? Or so, It can be small aspects of human connection. Take a five-minute time out for myself, even if it's yes. locking myself in the bathroom. Yes. If it is taking three deep breaths looking at a flower just aspect of beauty and connection because part of um, human connection is connecting to yourself so caring for yourself um, just taking a moment to say what am I feeling right now am I hungry am I sad am I tired am I angry and not judging that just noticing it just just noticing it and okay and I think that, that mindfulness aspect can be really important for mental health, kind of that present tense, which is very hard to do in a caregiving situation. Well, and with some technology today, we have the ability to have more human connection while we're still physically separated from folks. I mean, the, the concept of FaceTime or Skype just 10 years ago was totally different than it mm-hmm. is now. But now we can actually FaceTime in or Skype in a friend of ours from California, and maybe it's a five-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's 
if it's a 30 second conversation absolutely it's that still, human connection with somebody that matters mm-hmm. i think the social media is a double-edged sword though you know people they say you know this these are younger generations growing up in social media maybe you can agree with this or not but are some of the loneliest people in the world you know they're on social media all the time people only put their best so if you're a caregiver looking at everybody's vacation and all these wonderful things going on in their families i think that can almost make you feel worse sometimes i have mixed <laughs> mixed opinion about social media because of the importance of authenticity and sometimes we ha- we've um we're not authentic on social media so on social media seems like everybody's showing off their highlight reel yeah and in reality the highlight reel is a mighty small section of the real game and most of the game isn't that exciting it's hard work Mm-hmm. And we don't want to show that. We don't want to have that honest conversation. I think you used the word authenticity a moment ago, and I think mm-hmm. that is just an underrated term. No, I, I never post pictures of myself with ice cream all over my face, which is, you know, usually how I look half of the day. You know, I, I, I clean up a little bit before I post those <laughs> you, pictures. You did so. a nice job this evening, Thank Jason. you very much. I think I missed a couple spots, but... Um, <laughs> I was kind of wondering what that green was. I, I was thinking maybe mint chocolate chip or mint? then toothpaste, but I guess it's ice cream. <laughs> it is the mint anything. chocolate chip. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that, that burden of, you know, that feeling that, you know, you're not keeping up with the Joneses or everyone else is having fun while I'm... I'm sort of stuck with this burden may has the potential to sort of put you down in, in a little spiral where you'd feel like you can't get out and you know you're again that sort of feeds into that isolation that we were talking about yes and isolation is is a is a recipe for um for some type of concern whether whether it's depression or anxiety um, or, or just a, a, a kind of a general sense of sadness, maybe if it doesn't reach kind of a clinical de- depression level. Um, I think for taking care of yourself, the analogy that people use, but it is true, is just like on the airplane, you have to affix your oxygen mask before um, helping the person beside you. Because if you pass out from lack of oxygen, you're not going to be able to help the person beside you. So putting on your oxygen mask first put and it doesn't have to be huge things now we'll talk in a little bit about some other ways to take mm-hmm. care of yourself and reach out for help because um, there are some important things that maybe are a little kind of bigger things but in general little things throughout the day i like to call them mini sabbaths little mini mm-hmm. sabbaths that the, you know a little mini vacation yes you <laughs> yeah. know whether it is three that again those three deep breaths looking looking at a flower it sounds too simple to be true but it works um it definitely works yeah, those those simple tricks tend to be mm-hmm. some of the best ones because mm-hmm. it's it's really just kind of snapping yourself out of that uh, again that spiral and that isolation mode. Well, we'll we'll continue our conversation and get some more uh, of these helpful hints. We're talking with Missy Stancil. She's the regional director of the Central Region of CareNet, and we're having a really good discussion about mental health. And we'll continue that in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. A service of Transitions Life Care. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of transitions, life care. I'm Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton alongside me. Miss Lee Stancil is our guest this evening. 
Regional Director of the Central Region of CareNet, and we're we're talking about mental health and older adults and caregivers, and uh, and we're having a lot of fun while doing it, especially during the breaks. But uh, we're continuing our conversation on solutions um, for caregivers, Nicole, and um, you know we we were kind of hinted on this a little bit uh, before we just came back that you know not everyone's situation is the same, and mm-hmm. there's there's varying degrees, and this is just it's a really complex thing. It sure is, you know, and so you know for people listening you know we know every situation out there isn't this big rosy shiny picture and so you may be finding yourself in a caregiving situation that you weren't expecting or there's nobody else to do it and your relationship with that person just may not be great and so that makes caregiving all the more difficult and all the more draining emotionally just to get over you know whatever that issue is in the, in the family that occurred whether it was you know just a relationship issue or or what have you and so when you're when you're placed in those situations i really think that you know as a caregiver you may even need more support than somebody else who had maybe a more loving relationship with that individual wouldn't you agree missy i would i would for individuals who find themselves in circumstances where they're in a caregiving relationship with a really fractured relationship that could be fractured because of um, some type of large family argument or fight or uh, I mean a lot of families have like the fight that broke the family you know and and everyone knows it and nobody talks about it and then 20 years later a person may find themselves in a caregiving role it also yeah, unresolved yeah an, an unresolved um, argument it may be early childhood abuse of some sort in any of those circumstances I really encourage the caregiver to reach out for professional support because that is more than one person can navigate but generally speaking you know we first we, we've covered caring for yourself now when do we throw out that life preserver and ask for help in general yes oh goodness I would say sooner than you think um, if, if your instinct is, man, I, uh, I need some help at this point, statistically speaking, you, you needed it far sooner. Or when you're taking that f- few seconds to really just mm-hmm. think about that feeling that you're feeling hungry, sad, angry, mm-hmm. and you realize, wow, I'm feeling these things, might be time to, to reach out. And what does that mean, ask for help? That's kind of scary because people, I think, sometimes don't want to feel like they can't handle something on their own. Yes, yes. Oh, goodness, we tend to be a pretty individualistic um, society in general. And one reframe I would offer for people is that when you ask for help, it is one of the most um, loving things you can do um, for for your situation, um, regardless of kind of what it is, that it is strength, it is health, um, it is is all those things because I know it can be hard to ask for help. I hear, I hear myself saying it. And I'm thinking I didn't do that when it was my time. Exactly. But, yeah. So do <laughs> do as I say, don't do as I did. Right. But um, reaching out for help is incredibly important, and there are lots of resources. The two exactly. of you are far more familiar with them than I am. There's a lot of people out there waiting to help. And what we often hear, at least from my side, and I'm going to pass it over to Cooper in a second here, but is just what it took to get to that caregiver to the point where they make that call to say. I need help. I mean, sometimes it takes many, many family members and friends and just people surrounding them, really encouraging them, or sometimes reaching out on their behalf because it's it's just a hard thing to, I think, sometimes admit I can't do this alone all the time. Yeah. Yeah. During the break, we reference. I feel like some caregivers are often starving while they're standing outside of of a, of a buffet and in this area we have an incredible array of resources that's not the case in every section of the state um, but 
<clears throat> pardon me, in the in the triangle area, there are a lot of resources. And if folks can overcome that resistance to asking for help and realizing that a, a great show of strength and courage is to recognize I need to bring resources in. I don't have to be all the resources myself for my loved one. And then they're able to bring those resources to bear on on their situation and, and the caring situation for their uh, for their loved one. Suddenly, it opens the door to many many options. Many of which allow patients, families to stay at home more comfortably, safer, with lower stress, better mental health, higher socialista- socialization, reduced emergency room trips just avoiding many negative consequences and just overall having a, a healthier, higher level of well-being for themselves as a caregiver and for the person they're taking care of. But they got to ask for help. And Guiding Lights is one of the options for that, is to call Transitions Guiding Lights, obviously is one of those ways. But there are other ways to reach out for resources and assistance. CareNet is also one of those options. It is. So CareNet Council, we have an office here in Raleigh. Um, CareNet is part of a statewide network, so we serve 85 of 100 counties in North Carolina. So chances are there hopefully is a CareNet that that serves you. Um, We offer outpatient mental health, work with a lot of um, caregivers and senior adults. Um, in terms of the support needed for care, there are so, so many options, and I'm so glad that Transitions Guiding Light exists to help people find the one that's right for them. Sometimes there's a lot of choices. Well, and sometimes options are too overwhelming, too, yes. which is why yes. we're here to kind of help you navigate that road. But, okay, so we're asking, we, we're caring for ourselves. We ask for our help, hopefully, before we need it, or <laughs> really need hopefully it. Hopefully before we need yeah. it, yes. But then sometimes we get to that point where, we have to just stop the ride and get off for a second. And then there's this thing called respite services. What is that and, and how do you know? How do, how do you know when you need them? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, an analogy that I'll offer for people is um, picture a good old-fashioned country well that serves a house. Um, it is dug deep into the ground. It um, is replenished by rainwater, right, that falls to the ground. And you can use that well. You can use the water from it to do all the things you need for your home. Now, the well can run low during periods where there's not enough rain. Um, but And you're careful during those times. You don't use as much. You, do, you try not to use as much water. <laughs> I've got a well now. I yes, know. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're picking up on the analogy here. You know, you're the well. The caregiver is the well. And, and what happens when there's not enough rainwater to replenish the water that you're using? Um, if there's not enough um, support, human connection, self-care, um, etc. Well, it dries up. The well dries up. Now, so you, one way you can use respite care services is to prevent the well from drying up. Um, another way that you can use respite care is when there's a difference between a well kind of running low all the time and a well that has dried up. I mean, if, if you have a well where it's so depleted that you almost have saltwater intrusion from the coast. I mean, where, where you literally, you've almost depleted the water table. Okay, we're in a different situation. Um, you have those three important deep breaths that I talked about while looking at something beautiful. That's not going to be enough, right? You need some type of extended time for the water in your well to actually reach a healthy level. And that takes time. That takes extended time. 
so when my mother was caregiving for my father, she was the primary caregiver. Uh, and I was kind of the backup. Uh, I was a distant third, really, <clears throat> because she just handled things. She was ever-present in the home doing it. One of the things we would do as a family for her is every couple months we set aside two or three days. And she would go and we said, look, you know, you, you live on a one-third of an acre lot. The rest of the globe is open to you. But that one-third of an acre is off limits for three <laughs> days. And she said, well, I, I don't even know what to do if I'm not, if I'm not involved in, in taking care of, of your dad. You know, that's part of it. You need to go find something else to do for a few days. And as a family, we would come in and essentially replace mom, give her a few days break. That's a quick respite, but it isn't that deep, long time period that you're discussing, Missy. Yeah, and Missy, uh, thank you so much for joining us this evening. If people want to find more information about CareNet, where can they go? The best would be probably our website. That's carenetcentralregion.org. Or feel free to call our main office at 910-897-8930. Perfect, perfect. Missy, thank you so much for joining us again. Missy Stancil, Regional Director of the Central Region of CareNet. Uh, if you need any more information, uh, you have the website there. You can Google them. You can also check out the Aging Matters page at WPTF.com. We'll have information listed there for you as well. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back again Saturday night at 7 here on WPTF with another edition of Aging Matters, the care and comfort that surrounds you, a service made possible through Transitions Life Care. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to News Radio 680 WPTF.